Good morning. Welcome to Mission View Church. My name is Matt Halp. I'm the lead pastor here. If this is your first time here with us, I'm so glad you've joined us for worship this morning. If you're joining online for the first time, welcome. So glad you're with us. I've been out of, uh, out of uh, the state for a couple weeks, was in North Carolina, got some sun laid on the beach for a while, got back to Ohio and was uh, um, brought back with a sinus infection. So that was a lot of fun. So if I sound a little nasally this morning, I've got a, a halls in my mouth and if I go into a coughing fit or whatever, I told the sound guys to go ahead and mute me. So we'll make our way through this as we go, right? Well, we've been in a sermon series in the book of Daniel, and uh, I don't know about you, but I've been having a great time going through this. What we've really found um, is a powerful work of God that, that God's done in Daniel himself, but also we've looked into some of these prophecies, visions, and dreams that have come out uh, that Daniel's interpreted, that Daniel's had himself, that tell the future, a foretelling of the future for the time that they're in. And for the kings that Daniel was serving. But we've also found prophetic foretelling of the future for us, a future for the church. One of the most miraculous things about this is that when you look at Scripture, we've always talked about Scripture in the past, and we've talked about the Bible in the past, and you've probably heard me say that, that this book is like no other book, right? This is like no other book. And there's something about reading a prophecy that comes to pass, and you see over and over and over again, we've seen four prophecies that, that Daniel's brought out that have come to pass. And then we see other prophecies in Daniel that have yet to come to pass. And it's just one of the most powerful, supernatural, there is a God type of things that happens as we read through Scripture. For me, as a Christian, when I was searching and looking for Christianity or some type of truth, that, that was the, the pivoting point for me. As I read through Scripture, I heard other pastors talk about the Bible. I heard other people talk about Jesus. I heard other people talk about Yahweh, this, this one true God, the I Am. And when I was doing my own research, that was a pivoting point for me, that this, this book talks about future events and tells us what's going to happen, and it actually comes to pass. Man, that sealed the deal for me. It was a life-changing thing for me. And I hope as we've been going through Daniel, it's been a life-changing thing for you as well. Now, one of the important things we need to keep in mind is that the prophecies or revelation that God has given through dreams and visions here in Daniel have included some of those futuristic things, some things yet to happen. And we're going to talk about that today, some of those things yet to happen. Some of these prophecies are still coming, and we're going to see them, I think, maybe even see them in our lifetime, which is amazing in you know, who knows? Oh, no, no man knows the day or the hour. Only God knows. But man, I tell you what, with what we're seeing in our culture today, I mean, we could see it in our lifetime. But anyways, one of the underlying and most important things we need to keep in mind as we talk about all this, you know, futuristic stuff and this end times talk is that Jesus is coming again. That's what's underneath everything we've been studying. This is kind of kind of a picture of what we're getting in the life of Daniel. Let me catch you up if this is your first week with us here today. Daniel was uh, in Jerusalem. He's one of the Israelites. He's uh, God's chosen people. They get taken. They're put into exile. They're conquered. Jerusalem's conquered. And so for most of Daniel's life, he has been in exile from Jerusalem. He wasn't able to practice that sacrificial system that God had put in place. 
He was, you know, brainwashed, or they tried to brainwash him in this Babylonian school. And so his entire life, we're, we're looking at, you know, probably from when he was around 13 years old up into his 90s, Daniel has been in exile. So Daniel has spent his entire life waiting, his entire life waiting for God to step in and do something. I mean, he's, he's in this Babylonian kingdom. He's wandering. He's, he's a prophet. He, I mean, he has all these amazing supernatural things happen in his life. You know, he survives the lion's den, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they survive the fiery furnace, and Daniel interprets dreams for the king, and he knows, like Daniel knows that he serves an all-powerful, all-knowing God, and he's in exile. So he's been waiting, waiting, waiting for God to do that just powerful thing in his life, to set him free from captivity, to bring God's chosen people back to their homeland, back to Jerusalem, the presence of God. I don't know about you, but I hate waiting. Anybody here hate waiting? Or are you, are you guys, you just love waiting, right? You're the type of person that just enjoys being on the interstate and sitting in traffic for construction. You look at those orange cones and you're just like, yes, finally, we're here. In North Carolina, we were driving back from North Carolina, and I think it was in Virginia on 77. Um, there was a couple accidents. A storm rolled through. I don't know about you, but I like setting the cruise and going. You know, when people get into the left lane, they're doing, you know, five under the speed limit. I'm like, I say something really godly, and, and I, you know, I have warm and fuzzies, you know. So anyways, we get to 77, Virginia. We're making great time. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about you too, but I have like the, the Siri maps, whatever. And she says, you're going to arrive at 4.30. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to arrive at 3.30. You know, that's, how, that's kind of how I travel, right? My wife's like, I need to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, quit drinking water. We are, we are, we are going to fast for this drive. No, but so, so I'm driving this. We're in Virginia on 77, a couple wrecks in front of us. And we're sitting still in traffic. And I'm watching Siri tell me, 435, 445, 530, 630. And I'm like, ah, I hate waiting. It drives me crazy. We, we're, we live in a culture that has this instant gratification, right? I mean, we can fly anywhere in the world we want to go. They're coming, they're bringing back the supersonic jets and everything. You're going to be able to go anywhere in the world in four hours, they're saying, within like the next seven to 10 years. It's going to be crazy. We want, you know, we want our microwave food. We want fast food. And I think America invented fast food, right? McDonald's and Burger King, you could just drive through the drive-thru in three minutes, door dash it. You can have it at home. You know, I was sick at home this past week. I was door dashing everything. I think I put on 15 pounds. But anyways, we have this instant gratification culture. We hate waiting. We hate it. Daniel spent like 80 years waiting, right? And get this. He spent this 80 years waiting. He gets this dream. He has these visions of being sent back to Jerusalem. That's really where we're finding Daniel at, is that the people are back in Jerusalem rebuilding everything, and he gets this terrible vision. Like all of this waiting, 80 years of waiting, vision, that freedom's coming, the Israelites are going back to Jerusalem, rebuilding, and then boom, like Daniel's hit with this horrific end times you know, they're sent back to Jerusalem, but it's bad news. 
It's going all downhill. So that's kind of where we're picking up Daniel at, right? He's been waiting for all this stuff. Finally sent back to Jerusalem and just horrific, horrific vision of what's coming. So that's kind of where we're going to pick up the story here in Daniel chapter 10. Let's pray before we read God's word this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is truth. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, it changes us, that it takes root in our hearts and in our lives. And it changes our minds and it changes our hearts. And Father, we pray that you would change us this morning, that we would walk out of here different people than we walked in because we met with our Creator. Father, I pray that you would be with me, that you would give me the words to share, that I would be a willing vessel. I surrender to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Daniel 10, it says this, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar, and the word was true, and it was a great conflict. He understood the word and had understanding of this vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was in mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. I'm going to stop right there. And as you came in, you should have received a program, and there's some three fill-ins, and this is the first of those three fill-ins. We wait for Christ in prayer and fasting. We wait for Christ in prayer and fasting. If we are going to be a people that thrive in a corrupt culture, we can really learn some things from Daniel right here in this moment that he's having. He was in prayer and fasting. It's interesting to me that last week Josh pointed out that nearly two-thirds of chapter 9 was prayer. It was prayer. Daniel was in prayer. We tend to get caught up in the prophetic implications and forget that Daniel spent most of his time in prayer. You know, I, I look at Daniel 9, and as I studied it and worked through it, I spent most of my time in the last 10 verses. You know, I'm just like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? How does this line up? And, you know, I don't know if you were here last week for Josh's sermon, but man, we were all over the place. I mean, we were at different books of the Bible, and we, were, we had charts, and we had all these different things going on. But Josh was really clear to point out to us that chapter 9, two-thirds of that chapter is dedicated to prayer. As we study end times events, this is something we really need to keep in mind. The prophetic stuff in Scripture is meant to, hear me on this, it's meant to draw our attention to the power of God and the second coming of Jesus Christ. We know who wins. We read the end of this book. We know who wins. We know what's coming. Jesus is coming again. Amen? And we're celebrating that this morning. That's why we meet. But we know who's, who wins. And these end time studies are meant to point us to that knowing. Now, that means a lot to us, doesn't it? It means that, man, we have something to share with our world today. We have the truth and the power of Jesus Christ and the gospel that needs to get out because God saves people. And God loves people. So that's what it's meant to do. It's not meant to make us fearful or worried. It's meant to point us to Christ. So let's remember that as we talk through this. Now this week, as we look at this scripture in chapter 10, is no different. We find Daniel in prayer and fasting. Daniel was wrecked. He was a mess. What God had showed him had broken him. And he was in prayer and fasting for his people. He didn't even shower. Think about that. 
He didn't even shower. Have you ever had a bad pizza dream? I mean, so bad that you refuse to shower? That's where Daniel's at. That's where Daniel's at. Now, Daniel sees all this. He knows all this. Why? Why would Daniel fast and pray? Why would he fast? I mean, we don't talk about fasting all that much, do we? Just if, if you don't know, if you've never heard that word before, fasting is when you, you don't eat or drink. It's fasting. You're, you're, you don't eat or drink anything. Why would he do it? Because he was at a loss. He didn't know what to do with all he had been shown. He had the understanding of the vision. He knew what was coming. And get this. He knew that he needed God more than ever. He got to the point where he knew that he needed God more than anything else. This vision had him shook. I mean, he was wrecked. He wasn't eating. He wasn't showering. He knew that there was only one, only one person that could save him. Only one person that could come and comfort him. It was God. Daniel got to the point where he knew that he needed God more than anything else. This prayer and fasting, this looking to God, this desperation for God has been a common theme throughout this book. Daniel goes to God in prayer again and again and again and again. Whether it's a fiery furnace or it's a, a dream that needs interpreted or it's a lion's den, we find Daniel on his face and on his knees seeking and searching after God. We wait for God in prayer and fasting because like Daniel, we recognize our desperation for more of him. Did you hear me on that? We should wait for God in prayer and fasting because like Daniel, we recognize our desperation for more of him. More truth, more hope, more courage, more trust, more understanding, more revelation. It's been clear that when Daniel is pressed and cornered or fearful, or even just living his best life, that Daniel spends it in prayer. Do you remember the story when Daniel was going to the Lord? It says that he prayed morning, afternoon, and evening. He prayed three times a day. That was how some of the, you know, the spiritualists and everything tried to get him in trouble with, with one of the kings, remember? They knew the only way they could get him was to use his religion against him, his practices, his religious practices against him. So it didn't matter whether Daniel was cornered or whether he was in trouble or, or if he was just going about his business, living his best life that God had laid out for him, Daniel spent his life in prayer. Now, we've talked about prayer quite a bit, but we haven't talked about fasting. We haven't talked about fasting, and I think we need to talk about it. Why should we fast? I got three reasons why I think we should fast as we wait for God, as we wait for Christ's second coming. The first one we find in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 says this, 
Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, you hear that, and you're like, oh my gosh, Jesus is going to be tempted by the devil. What's he going to do? What's, what's Jesus, what would you do, if, if this were you, what would you do to prepare yourself to come face to face with the devil? You're going to be tempted. What would you do? You'd be like, all right, I'm, I'm going to gear up. I'm going to have my Bible. I'm going to make sure that I'm taking my vitamins. I'm going to work out. I'm going to, I'm going to train for this. I'm going to be ready. Before. Here, here's Jesus. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. What? Are you kidding me? Like, that's not what you do. I mean, you don't fast for 40 days and 40 nights. And let's just say that's probably the, the greatest understatement in all of Scripture. He was hungry. I'd be looking for some cheesecake, man. 40 days and 40 nights. You need something, right? No. And here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. Do you think Jesus, the Son of God, truly God and truly man, here in the flesh, needed to fast? Jesus was modeling something for me and you. When we, when we realize and recognize our true, our true place in this world, our true desperation, our true need for more of God, for more of His presence, for more of His Word, when we realize that, we will do what Jesus did. We will fast. We will pray. And we will go after God like we've never gone after Him before. So the first reason I think we should fast as we wait, like Daniel was waiting and he fasted, the first reason is because Jesus fasted. Jesus modeled fasting for us. Not only did He model it for us, the second reason I think we should fast is because Jesus expected us to fast. God expects us to fast. There's an expectation. If we just turn a couple chapters later in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16, it says this, and if you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. Whoa, whoa, wait. That's not what it says, is it? If you think about fasting, do not look, look gloomy. Nope, that's not what it says, is it? It says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. There's an expectation that we would be a people fasting and praying as we wait for God, as we wait for Christ's second coming. That's the expectation. And here's the other thing. Fasting is important for us. The third thing is this, that fasting reveals our need for more of God. It reveals our need for more of God. I think fasting is an essential tool, especially for us here in America, where we have 
like I said earlier, fast food restaurants on every corner. We can go to the grocery store. We can door dash anything we want. You can door dash your groceries if you want to. They just deliver them to your house. We have insurance. We have life insurance, car insurance, home insurance. We have everything that we need. We have hospitals everywhere, doctors that take care of us. I'm on antibiotics right now. That's helping make me better even. I can throw holes in my mouth to keep me from coughing. I have everything that I need right here at my fingertips. And I could just go about my daily life and think I'm just fine, right? Like we could just do our Monday through Friday, nine to five, live out our lives and be like, I'm good, man. I'm good. I got everything I need. I'm just, I'm just plugging along here. And we forget. We forget our true station in life. That we are living in between the first and second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That Jesus, before he left, gave us a job to do. That we're to go out into all the world and share the good news of Jesus Christ. That we are aliens here. This isn't our home. That our home is coming and and Jesus went to prepare a place for us. And, And that we are at war right now. It's not just doing the nine to five. It's not just this normal life. But there's a war raging, raging for our souls and for the souls of people. People that matter to God. This isn't, this isn't some normal nine to five. If that's what we're thinking, Satan has us right where he wants us. We have to remember that there is a war waging right now and that people matter. And God has a job for us. Fasting reveals our desperate need for God. I don't know about you, but I'm not at my best when I'm hangry. Is that just me, right? You know what? Uh, can I just be honest with you here in church today? When I am hangry, I say things and do things I shouldn't do. Anyone else? Can we just be honest here, right? Frank, praise God, you're with me, brother. Right? No, we do. You know why? Because we're human. We're human because the fall in the garden, and we are battling sin right now. That's why Jesus, that's why Jesus came and died for us, because he knew we would struggle with sin, and he was the only one who could conquer it, like we read about in Matthew chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 6. Jesus came to defeat sin and death for you and me. Because God knew we would struggle with sin, that we would be a hot mess without him. Now, here's the cool thing. Jesus comes, he lives a perfect life that you and I can't live, and then he dies a sinner's death that you and I deserve. That's awesome, right? Like, we don't deserve it. There's nothing we've done to earn that. And he just gives it free. We just have to trust in him and have faith in that perfect life that he lived. And I mean, when we do that and we go to heaven, we see our creator face to face and he looks at us, we go to those pearly gates and we're getting ready to walk into heaven. It's not my resume that I hand over. It's Jesus's. It's his. 
And God looks at me as perfect, without a blemish. We don't deserve it. But God gives it to us, just freely gives it to us. It was like the greatest cost, but freely given to you and me. It's just mind-blowing that God would do that for you and me. If you haven't, if you've never heard that before, that's what God has done for you. That's what it means that God loves you. Did you know that God loves you? It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. You don't have to go clean up your life before you come to God. You come to God in the mess and He cleans it up because He's the only one who can clean it up. That's Christianity. And it's one of the things that sets Christianity apart from any other world religion is that the standard that has been set, which is perfection, by the way, the standard that is set is righteous perfection. That's what we have to be in order to enter into heaven. It's not good. It's perfect. It's impossible for any human being. God did it. God set the standard. God met the standard, and he invites you into his presence because of what he's done, not what we've done. You may be here today or watching online right now hearing that for the first time or realizing that for the first time. God is inviting you into relationship with Him because He loves you. He has a destiny set aside for you and He wants to walk in relationship with you. Let's read on here in uh, verse 4 in Daniel chapter 10. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed. I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O oh, Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. A couple things we're going to look at right here in this section. The first one is what we were talking about earlier. There is a war waging. And it's raging on behind the scenes. God has set up these powers and principalities that, that are going after the souls of mankind. 
You see, this angel, probably Gabriel, was coming to Daniel to, to meet with him. He was, he was held back for like 21 days because he was fighting and warring against demons. A demonic presence had held him up. So the archangel Michael comes down, steps in so that Gabriel can make his way to Daniel. We have to realize we are at war. We don't see it all the time, but we are at war. It's going on right now. But get this. This is really cool. This is really, really cool. And it's the second filling in your notes. We do not wait for Christ in fear. What's, what's Gabriel say to Daniel? Oh man, greatly loved. Do not be afraid. Don't be fearful. Man, when we look at this stuff, when we think about this stuff, it can be overwhelming. We look at these visions and everything in them, and we, we could be filled with fear. And fear is a powerful emotion. It can lead us to places that we should never go. I, I mean, there's an upside to fear too, right? Like fear can be healthy too, right? Like you don't go to the zoo and jump into the lion's thing so that you can pet the kitties, right? Because they will eat you. And we should probably have a healthy fear of lions. They are carnivores, and they're big, 800 pounds. You know, like, no, you don't do that. Fear can be good. Fear in its rightful place can be a good thing. It keeps us from jumping off cliffs or doing things we shouldn't do. But when we read these things and see what is coming, we need not fear the things to come, but should only fear the one in control of those things. Did you hear me on that? We need not fear the things to come. We fear the one in control of those things. And I'm not talking about fearful like, Ooh, oh my gosh, God's going to just kill us all. No, not that kind of fear. The fear, when we talk about fear of God, it's like standing, and I've said this before, it's like standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon, right? Like, like you are right on that edge, and you're just like, wow, like that's big. There's a, a sense of, of awe, a, a sense of this is so much greater, so much more, so much I don't understand that I can't wrap my mind around. I am in awe of my creator. This sense of awe of who God is. Fear in its rightful place can be a good thing. We will not fear the things to come if we fear the one in control of the things to come. When I was a kid, I was terrified of the dark when I was little. Hated it. You know, I'd, you know, parents put you to bed. They turn out the light. I'd be like, under my covers, you know, there's a monster in my closet. That's what I was, I was convinced. I don't know why. Maybe I'd watched a movie or something when I was little, you know. But I'm like five, six years old. There's a monster in my closet. I'm convinced of it. I remember this one night. I'm in bed, just terrified. And I just can't handle it anymore. I jump out of bed, run to my parents' room, and I'm just like, Dad, there's a monster in my closet, you know. And, um, you know, my, I don't think any of my kids did this, but, uh, but I did as a kid. I remember my dad. It was hilarious. He, he comes, he just whips me up into his arms, and he's, he's instantly, like, he, as he's holding me, carrying me back to my room. I'm like, this monster's going to get what's coming to him, but dad's here, right? Like, I was, I was convinced, like, this is it. Like, yeah, the boss is here, right? And I, there was, I had no fear at all. Like, we're going back to my room, and I'm like, yes, bring it, dad. We walk in, and he turns the light on, opens the closet door. Matt, there's nobody in here, man. You're fine. 
I say all that because, like, we can be fearful. We can think about these things. But look, look at what God does with Daniel. We don't conquer fear with courage. Fear is conquered with closeness to God. When we think about these end-time things, when we get worried, when we get worked up, when we're afraid, we don't need more courage. We need more closeness. We need God to come just like scoop us up into his arms, and we think about the things that are coming. We think about the tribulation. We think about the Antichrist. We think about the second coming. We think we are in the arms of the Almighty God. And that monster in the closet's going to get what's coming to him. We need not be afraid. And that's what Daniel gets. He gets scooped up by his loving father. Oh, Daniel, get this. What does it say? Man greatly loved. Man greatly loved. Understand the words that I speak to you. Stand upright. For now I have been sent to you. It's hard to be afraid when you're in the arms of the creator of the universe. Think about that for a second. It is hard to be afraid when you're in the arms of the creator of the universe. It's hard to be fearful when you are greatly loved by the one who sustains all life and brings all things to pass and knows all things and is in all things and is above and beyond all things. Hear me on this. If you don't hear anything else this morning, hear this. You are greatly loved. Not because of the things you've done, not because of the things you will do, but because God has decided to love you. God has decided to love you. He decided you were so valuable, you were so special, that he sent his only son to die for you. We will not be afraid of a pandemic, of end times stuff, of anything when we are in the arms of our loving Father. Daniel, man, Daniel got this. You can see it. You can just see it all throughout his life. As we've studied these last nine chapters and even here today in chapter 10, man, I think this is a huge takeaway for us, Mission View Church. We need to be close to Jesus. We just need it. We need more of Him. We need more and more of Him. Now, here's the crazy thing. When God reveals Himself to us, it creates more and more of that hunger and thirst. Are you following me on this? It's like this cyclical pattern that happens that we seek after more and more of God and we realize that we are in desperation for more of Him and we go after Him and He reveals Himself to us and we're like, boom, what? I had no idea He loved me like that. I had no idea He was powerful like that. I gotta have more of that. I have to have more of Him. And we go after Him more and more and it just becomes this, this circle of, of just pursuit as we run after our Creator more and more. I mean, we, we start to read this book, and it, I, I don't know, it, at first it's like, ah, it's kind of hard, it's kind of difficult, I'm, I'm trying to understand it, but I'm going to go after God, I'm going to read more of it, and God starts to reveal that truth to us, and it takes root in our hearts and in our lives. It begins to change us and grow us, and we're like, oh, that's what I'm after. That's what I'm talking about. 
And God changes us and grows us, and it just becomes this passionate pursuit more and more and more of God that we can never get to the point of where, oh, I, I theologically totally understand God. Yes, I'm there. I'm good. All-knowing. I have all these big words in my theological back pocket that I can just throw out there. So I know God. That's not how it works. Unsearchable. We could go on. We're going to spend eternity growing in our relationship with God. Let that sink in for a second. We will spend eternity growing in our relationship with God. Wow. Daniel gets it. He knows it. That's why he's on his hands and knees praying three times a day when life is good. And that's why he's fasting and praying when he's like, eh, I'm 96 years old. I've been waiting to go back to Jerusalem and I'm stuck here, man. And now you're telling me it's all going to come to a screeching, terrible end. What? We're no different. We're no different. We are in desperate need for God. We are in desperate need for God. Check out verse 15. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Now think about that for a second. You have like the, you know, archangel Gabriel, boom, in your face. He's like, ah, Gabriel, fear not, man greatly loved, blah, blah, blah. Still freaking out. Stand it up. Knees knocking. Who comes next? The child, right? The child admit this. You can see God's, like, compassion, God's mercy, that, like a child. And the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I, I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, Oh, my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me. I, I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now, no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O oh man greatly loved. Wait, didn't we hear that just a second ago? I think God's trying to get a point across, right? O oh man greatly loved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. You may want to underline that whole sentence there, man. That's, Oh man, greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. The third last fill in your notes today is this. We wait for Christ with peace, strength, and courage. We wait for Christ with peace, strength, and courage. This is what happens when we are close to the Lord. This is what comes from 
an intimate relationship with God, going after Jesus, reading his word, coming to church, worshiping him, hearing his word spoken, memorizing, meditating on his word, just eating it up, and fellowship with other Christian believers where we encourage one another. Like Randy was talking about the men's ministry and women's ministry and community groups that'll be starting up this fall. That is what it's all about growing in our relationship with God and with his people. And the, the, the byproduct of that is this, peace, strength, and courage. Now, there are two groups of people here today that this applies to. There are those of us who are Christians. We are in a relationship with God, and we're excited by these things, and we're walking with Jesus. We, we hear about this end time stuff, and we're like buying two or three other different Bibles, and we're reading about it, we're studying, we're like, Woo, this is great. We can't wait to see Jesus again, right? Here's, how, here's what we need. We need more of God. Just like what I was just saying, we need more closeness, more revelation of his goodness and his kindness and the gospel applied to our lives. Here's my encouragement for those, all of us Christians that are here right now. Don't be satisfied with where you're at. Don't stagnate. Don't be like, ah, oh, yeah, this is great, this is good. No, there, God has more for you. God has more for you. If you're not in a discipling or mentoring relationship, if you're not going through the journey curriculum with somebody right now, go through that. Meet with somebody one-on-one -on -one and really dive deep into God's word. See what God does. God has more for you. Here's another way that you can grow in that and that closeness with step out of your comfort zone. You know, as we did that study through 1 Corinthians, we found out that God has gifted everyone he's called into his family. You have gifts that God gave you set aside for your good and the good of his church. Step out of your comfort zone. Begin serving. Serve in some way and see what God does. You're like, oh man, I, I don't have any gifts. I don't know what they are. You find them on the job. You find them as you serve. That's what, how it happens. God, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. He calls you. He puts you to work. And then he starts showing you your gifts. Do those things. Make that step. Step out. Step closer to the Lord and see what happens. The second group of people this applies to are people that don't know Jesus yet. You're hearing all this stuff for the first time. Maybe, like I said in the introduction, as I read through the Bible and I was researching about God and this whole Christianity thing, one of the things that, that really turned a corner for me was this foretelling of future events, these prophecies that have come to pass. You know, it's funny, there was four kingdoms, there's actually five kingdoms that Daniel interprets the king's dream on, right? We had those, those five kingdoms. People forget about the fifth one. You know, we, we had the four that were talked about, but there's a fifth one. And it was a, a kingdom is coming that is not formed by man's hands. It is a kingdom different than any other kingdom that has ever been on the planet. And it is a kingdom that will never end. And in this kingdom, there is one true king who rules rightly, where there is no death, where there's no sin or temptation, where there's perfect communion with a creator God. This kingdom is yet to come. Now, the prophecy of the four kingdoms have come and gone, right? Babylon, Mede, Persian, Greece, Rome, 
come and gone. The kingdom that cannot be built by human hands is yet to come. It's kind of funny. Jesus said the kingdom is now and not yet. We're, we're kind of in that, like I said, in between. Jesus' first and second coming, he came and started that kingdom. He's going to culminate that kingdom on the second coming. So we're kind of in this weird, awkward in-between, right? But that, com- that kingdom is coming. Four prophecies, five, four that have come to pass and one yet to pass. Man, I don't know about you, God's batting 100%. If you haven't put your trust in Jesus Christ, today is the day to do that. What does that mean? Well, I shared with you already why God sent his only son, Jesus Christ. He sent him to do what we can't do. Live a perfect life, that standard, and then die a sinner's death for you and me. It's my sin and your sin that put Jesus on the cross. And it's just putting your trust in him, in that perfect life. Faith, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. There's no other way. There is no other way. Will you put your trust in Jesus Christ? It is surrendering your will to his. It's laying your life at his feet and saying, God, my tomorrow is yours. Not my will, but yours be done. And let's be honest. All of us have tried it our way, right? (laughs) We have. All of us have tried it our way. Where does it get us? In a hot mess. I'll tell you, that's where it gets us. And all of us are desperate because every human being is created with a gaping hole in their heart that can only be filled by their creator. And God wants to fill that hole in your heart right now. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray for those listening online right now and those here in the room that right now your Holy Spirit is moving in their hearts that you're calling them into relationship with you. They have seen the truth, they understand your truth, and they want to surrender their lives to you. God, do that work that only you can do. Now, if that's you here with every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you today, just raise up your hand. I'd love to pray for you this week. Just a quick raise of your hands. Yeah, I see that hand. I see that hand too. I want to pray for you this week. If that's you, pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I recognize you are the one true God. Forgive me of my sins. I thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Now, by the power of your spirit, give me the strength to pursue you, to turn from sin and be your child. Thank you for eternal life. I trust in you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.